episode 82 of the Hang with Coach Noonan podcast. I am joined by Coach Nolan Vandenberg from Boone Central Schools in Aubion, Nebraska. Coach Vandenberg is the 7 through 12 ELA and PE teacher, strength and conditioning coordinator, assistant football coach, working with the wide receivers and the defensive backs, assistant track coach, working with the sprinters. Coach Vandenberg has a bachelor's degree in 7 through 12 ELA and PE, a master's degree in curriculum and instruction, and a master's degree in human performance and wellness management. Coach and I discuss how he accomplishes the minimal effective dose at a small school where many athletes are performing multiple sports all year. We also dive into his coaching story and where he wants to progress to in the future. Enjoy this episode and make sure to follow Coach Vandenberg on Twitter at card underscore strength or email him. Both of those links will be in the show notes. Before we jump into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at HWCN Podcast. If you're in the Dallas area and are looking for some fantastic custom cookies that look almost too good to eat, check out Texas Treaties. Podcast listeners can use a special 10% off promo. Use the code PODCAST at checkout. The link to order will be in the show notes. Are you trying to step up your menswear game? Then Etiquette Dawn is the best choice. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you looking like a sharp-dressed man. Check out etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. Make sure to follow them on Instagram and TikTok. When you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or is as strong as your squat, bench, deadlift, clean, or snatch, then I suggest checking out Viking Coffee Company. Podcast listeners use the code COFFEEWITHNOONAN for a 10% discount on single purchases. Check out vikingcoffeeco.com for more details and order the official coffee of the Hang With Coach Noonan podcast. Drink coffee, work hard. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room and or locker room sanitized, check out Xanago Sprayer. Bacteria can grow anywhere. The Freedom Sprayer goes with you so you can keep your athletes protected wherever you go. Bacteria stinks. Check out Xanago.com for more information. Now, let's get into today's episode with Coach Nolan Vandenberg. Like I told uh, some of the guys I was playing basketball with tonight, I told them I'm getting interviewed on a podcast. And they're like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this awesome. is, it shocks people. Yeah, it's just not, not very common for us. No. Well, we're rolling, man. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm welcoming in Coach Nolan Vandenberg. Um, sorry, Vandenberg, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, he's at Boone Central Schools in Albion, Nebraska. Uh, it's a C1 school. So for our Texas high school football listeners, that's about a 3A or actually it's probably a 2A. Uh, they got about a 200 kids, 9 through 12. So somewhere in that neighborhood of the Texas high school classifications. Um, that's where they sit. Uh, Coach, welcome to the podcast, man. I appreciate you wanting to be on. Um, you are the recipient of the, the, the opportunity through the giveaway during Christmas time. Um, you know, I, I've been looking forward to this. 
Uh, I think it's great that uh, we're getting a small school guy on to talk ball, but also talk some SNC and just kind of, you know, how do you guys do it over there um, that some of us big school people probably can learn from? Sure. Hey, first of all, I want to thank you for having me. Like I was just talking to you about before we got on, uh, having the opportunity to, to to speak and have my have my voice heard and to see if people want to learn and get something from me. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, as far as as our situation here, um, and I, I honestly I don't have much exposure to the big schools. I've been in a small school like this uh, my entire career. I've been here for I think this is year eight. I've been coaching at Boone Central, and so I've always been you know with a with a football team ranging from forty kids to sixty kids, and so for us we have a ton of multi sport athletes, and so it it almost seems like we don't even have an off season at all with many of them. Yeah, we've got a handful that they won't do a winter sport or they won't do a spring sport, but then they're doing baseball in the summer. So we've got a lot of kids that are doing a lot of different things and we're trying to make make a lot of things move and shake all the time, accommodate everybody best we can. No doubt. So when you're piecing together your programming, right? We we all kind of think have that year long plan knowing that at any moment you're going to have to pivot that plan. Like it's not going to go according to the way you script it, but knowing that you have so many um, multi-sport athletes and you worry obviously about, you know, load management and those types of things, how do you kind of ensure that what you're doing in the weight room is that minimal effective dose so that when they get on the field, they're not completely dead at practice. And I'm, I'm assuming that most of your kids are going two ways or three ways with, you know, offense, defense, and special teams mm-hmm. on, yeah. on whatever night y'all are playing. Um, so you know, how do you kind of keep all that together while still progressing and getting them stronger? Sure. So we don't uh, for, like for our strength conditioning classes, we've got three that are available to the whole high school. I, sh- I shouldn't say whole high school. I should say 10 through 12. And so in those three classes, we've got about 70, 80 kids in there. And most of them are athletes. We've got a few non-athletes uh, filling their schedule, but they're, they're good to have in there, too. Um, so with with the athletes, it's uh, I basically look at Perlipin's chart. Did I say that right? <laughs> and I there's like that minimal and that range to maximal or, and then you so say you have that optimal, I think as a, is about 18 total reps. And so with those, with those athletes who are in season, we sit at about that 12. So it's, uh, if it's, it happens to be a back squat, we're doing six sets of two and we're just trying to keep it fast and, and intense and not really try to put much wear and tear on them as far as volume goes. I got you. Yeah, I think it's uh, Prelipins, okay. uh, something like that. We we can always uh, ask Alan Bishop, right? We just call him up real quick and ask him how to say it. No, he's, I know he's a, a proponent of it, as, as many others are. Um, it's something that I've looked at uh, in terms of, you know, trying to look at my reps um, for, for our athletes, you know, both in season and off season, obviously at at, a, at the school size that I'm at, where we're at about 2,000 plus kids, you know, we, we have 
a little bit more of a true off season. Now we do have a lot of our kids playing two, possibly even three sports. Um, some of them at the freshman age will try to do four. So let's say like they do football, um, wrestling, track, and powerlifting. Okay. Um, so that's kind of how they're squeezing that fourth in. Or you see some that will do like football, basketball, and then they'll come out for track. Sure. Um, and they're they're just going to be, you know, some kind of short sprinter or they're going to be a jumper. So it's right. not um, it's not overly taxing in the sense of like they're going to come out there. Not only are they banging in football, they're up and down the court in basketball. And all of a sudden they're turning around, running the mile, the two mile. No, they're, you know, they're short, short distance in terms of one, two. 400 at the absolute most maybe um right. then, like i say you know you're gonna get your your long triple and high jumpers there uh, so you know it's interesting we have kind of seen the need to have kids go both ways and potentially even three ways uh even at our level just because it's more of a get the dogs on the field to make the plays type deal whereas for you guys, it's probably you don't have the choice. Yeah, these are the these are the people we have. Yep. Uh, so you know, sometimes we're trying to hide one or two guys <laughs> anywhere we can. No doubt, man. I think that's, but I think that's everywhere. Very few schools uh, would would have to say anything in regards to hiding people. So, with football, you're you're the receivers in secondary. So, how yep. do you kind of go into your, you know? game plan for the week and and how do you approach practice where you're going to see your guys so much in that course of time that they don't necessarily get tired of you um comparative to say like if you were only coaching receivers or only coaching secondary you know you didn't you only have you have a much smaller group whereas you got them the entire time. Like, how do y'all split your practices? You know, okay. just kind of walk us through all that. Okay, so, uh, well, we, we start with pre-practice, which is, is technically just starting practice 15 minutes earlier is really all it is. We, it's just got a fancy name, I guess, for the kids. So with that, we that's when uh, I have all the receivers do their blocking stuff. So we, uh, we teach the edge blocking to be pretty aggressive, like uh, the interior linemen. Um, so we do that for about 10, 15 minutes, and then we get into our, our dynamic warm-up. And then following our dynamic warm-up, we go right into individual offense. Following that, it's it's a short team offense. Usually this is when we're, like, implementing, uh, like, the game plan for the week. So it'll just be a short session. And then from there, we do some special teams, do individual special teams, team special teams, and we change that up every day. Monday might be kickoff. Tuesday kick return, Wednesday punt, and third and Wednesday punt return. We just kind of, just kind of depends on what we feel we need. Um, <clears throat> and then Thursdays, you know, pre pre game game Friday. Um, after special teams, after team special teams, we go to individual defense, team defense, and then we finish finish strong with a uh, a moving the ball team offense session. So it's it's probably the closest to live that we see until Friday, but we're, you know, we're still keeping guys up, but we're, we're, we're banging, we're hammering them. When it comes to like, 
how you watch film and kind of teach that to the guys, how do you guys kind of work that to where you're not overloading them with information and schematics? Sure. Um, Our, I think we're pretty fortunate. We've got a, a, a very cohesive group of coaches. So it's, it's very, I don't want to say perfect. It's not perfectly refined, but it's really well refined where we don't really change a whole lot of schemes. We just got um, not, and I wouldn't even say we have too much in our playbook, but we've got enough where uh, the defenses aren't, I guess I shouldn't say aren't really sophisticated to the extent that we have to overhaul our whole offense and try different things every week. We see a lot of the same looks week in and week out. So uh, just depending on where we see weaknesses in the defense, we have maybe a different play call or a different tag on a play that allows us to attack it. And all the terminology is the same from the time they're in seventh grade to the time they're seniors. So they, they're, it's pretty, it's pretty well uh, planted and conditioned into those kids' brains. Now, what would, what would you say your, your, you know, base style of offense is and base style of defense? Okay. Uh, we run, we run a spread offense, mainly two by two. Uh, we, we really started working uh, zone uh, blocking schemes and we're still kind of identifying if we're inside zone, outside zone. I don't know all the specifics of all that being the receiver coach. I don't, I just tell my guys lock on and stay on, on the edge and let the running back make a decision. So I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I just know what routes they need to run and how they need to run them to be most efficient and effective for our quarterback to deliver the ball to them. Um, and then on defense, we're a four, three and mainly a cover two defense. Um, we like to disguise some things. Now we don't have a overwhelming amount of athletes that we can, you know, try a cover one or cover zero cover three all the time. So we just have to kind of tailor it to the kids that we have. And we're pretty fortunate right now that we can run a pretty strong cover two and roll into a cover four and it's kind of disguise some of those things. Now, are you when you say cover two, are you running like a, a hard corner in the flats cover two, or are you more of like a, a read cover two between your corners and safety? Yeah, it's it's a hard corner in the flats. And the okay. only time we really send the corners deep is if safety sees one and two going going vertical. So it's yeah, it's kind of a it's a hard, hard flat, but it's kind of a hard and yeah, it's it's we're also running deep with those corners too. I got you. No, that's, that's good. That's good. When it comes to the building of relationships, right, we all know that that's key to the success of any program. How do you go about building those relationships with these kids? And I'm assuming you've seen a lot of them from the time that they were in, you know, junior high all the way up, given that you've been in the same place for an extended amount of time, you know, or some of us, uh, we're fortunate to see just the high school kids or just the middle school kids for only a few years, uh, right. just because of the nature of, of movement and jobs. Yeah. And we're kind of in a unique situation. So in, in Albion, we're actually called Boone central because we are, uh, consolidated with a small town, 13 miles away called Petersburg. So all their kids come to us. And until this year, we actually had our middle school in Petersburg. So we weren't really seeing much of those kids unless they were coming here to practice and things like that. Uh, so now this year, I'm really getting to see a lot of middle schoolers around the building. And we have actually have a lot of them coming in after school now if they're in an off season. Um, 
we also have a athletic cooperative with Newman Grove, which is another town 15 miles away. So we're all over the place and we're trying to stay in communication with everybody. Uh, for me, with the high school and, and building relationships with these kids, I'm fortunate a lot of them have younger brothers and sisters or older brothers and sisters. So they kind of have a reputation or know my reputation before they even show up. Um, and for a lot of them, I don't see any freshmen during the school day. I see the I see them going into their freshman year uh, in our summer lifting program. And so they they have a pretty good understanding of how things work and how the expectation is in, in the weight room with me. It's pretty stern, but at the same time, it's pretty easygoing and fun. Um, I, it's, it's a lot of me just getting to know the kids and talking about what they're doing in the summer and finding out if they're playing four games in a softball tournament each weekend. And if they're dragging on Monday, I know why. And same thing with with boys who are in baseball or if they're in a traveling basketball league and things like that. So just talking to them and finding what interests them outside of the weight room because they don't have to be here. We can't make it mandatory for them. So any way I can make them want to show up, that's, that's what I got to do. What are some things that you do in the summer that you feel like help create and facilitate that want to come? Like just either like the way in which it's structured, you know, do you have any thematic days? Do you do any special, you know, competitions? Do you feel like there's anything that's unique that you guys do that really fosters that I want to be there mentality? Or is it just kind of ingrained in these kids and they're more of that blue collar? We're going to come to work because that's just what we're going to do. My, my first year here, this school was blessed with a bunch of freaks. And I just almost fresh out of college, yeah, fresh out of college, my first coaching opportunity I was coaching receivers this year, uh, that first year. And I had across the board, I had four, six, three and taller receivers and they could all run a four, six, four, seven. We were loaded. So for me, that first year, there really wasn't much of a weight room presence by these kids unless they wanted to show up. So after that first football season, after we win a state championship, I just started going into the weight room after school with a few kids who were not playing basketball, who weren't going to do track. They just wanted to lift to have something to do. And that was when I really got exposed to training high school kids and kind of seeing what they like to do. And so if I could make the meatheads happy at that time, I know I could tailor it in a way that could make all of the other athletes happy without just a focus on getting big pecs and a, and look nice looking quads, I guess. Uh, so after that season, we had a new head football coach move in and we really just ran, I mean, uh, Boyd Epley's Nebraska power program here before uh, I really got established. And when our, when our head coach, new head coach came in, he took all of the experience and all of the programming that he had done and had experience with for the last 15 years of his head coaching career. And I just started learning from him. And over time, my want to learn outgrew his want to continue learning. Cause he was, you know, he's our, he's our school psychologist and he was teaching high, uh, he was teaching psychology and sociology and head coach of football. So he, his day was loaded. He didn't need to be worrying about strength and conditioning so much. So I, it kind of came to me and 
once we had established who was going to be the dominant presence in the weight room, the kids really grasped onto it. The boys, especially, it took the girls a little bit longer. They were a little bit more hesitant on, on being in the weight room because there wasn't a huge push for it prior to me being here. And so once the boys started coming in and they started seeing results and they started seeing that they were running faster, jumping higher, squatting more, bench pressing more, it kind of just created itself. And the expectation just grew with the kids. It wasn't so much my expectation of them. It was their expectation of themselves. And now when COVID hit that, that we had to start all over. I'm sure you went through the same thing. You almost had to just start all over. You didn't have, we didn't have uh, any opportunity to be with our kids for about three months. So when we did, it was a total reset and trying to reestablish, you know, our expectations, our norms and try and main and mainly keep the kids safe. If they're sedentary for three months, who knows what's going to happen as far as injuries and things like that go. Um, but once the boys had established kind of their own culture, the girls, I don't want to say were jealous, but they kind of just gravitated toward it because they kind of saw how much fun the boys were having being competitive with one another. So it kind of grew on its own with the girls as well. And two, two years ago, I finally got into the weight room during the school day. Up till then, it was kids coming in before school. And to be honest, they didn't really like the lifting program or or who was in charge in during the school day. So they opted out of taking strength conditioning classes and chose to come in before school or after school, whether they were in season or off season. And I kept pestering our administration to get me classes so I didn't have to come up here at 6.30 every morning and leave at 5.30 every night. And they did. <laughs> just bothered them enough. And now we've got half of our high school population in strength conditioning classes. It just, and that's not including freshmen. That's awesome, man. And I think that's that's great that you talk about the kids developing that environment, atmosphere, culture themselves, and then you just enhancing it through, you know, better programming, better understanding, you know, as you grow as a coach. Um, I think a lot of times when you come into a place or you've been in a place for so long, sometimes you just get so set in your ways and you try to make all the kids bend to your will mm -hmm. versus trying to meet them halfway. Like at the, at the end of the day, we, don't, we know that we don't want to entirely bend to the will of the students, right? Because if you were to do that, then all it would turn into would be Venice Beach, Muscle mm -hmm. Beach, probably all the time. And, sure. you know, Sure, there's a point, place, and time. If that's your thing, cool. But when we talk about the realm of athletic performance, that's not where it's at. So, I, I think it's really good, man, that you talked about how to how you observed the, the what was already going on and then enhanced it to where they wanted to be a part of it. Then, not only that, you talked to admin to get you more and excuse me more ingrained in it, and the fact that the kids would would want that and, and wanted to be around you and what you were doing, man, that's awesome. So that's definitely speaks volumes to what you're doing as a coach that kids want to be where you're at. I, th I think that's a huge deal, you know? Yeah. I, Hey, I appreciate that. Uh, it's, it's been really interesting 
just to see that develop and how it just kind of just picks up and kind of tails off. Like you said, you kind of get stuck in your ways. And I noticed this last summer, uh, we had two different groups of boys. We just had, we had too many boys. We couldn't fit them all in the weight room at one time. So we had a 6.30 session and a 7.30 session. And the 6.30 session was our junior, seniors, and sophomores who are probably going to see some varsity time. And then our 7.30 session was incoming freshmen and some other sophomores uh, that, I mean, they're quality, quality lifters. They know what's going on. They're going to be good leaders in there for us. And I noticed with those seniors and juniors, they kind of just took it over. I didn't really have to do much coaching. They were just so competitive on their own that I could just walk around and just talk about what they're doing after this or what they're doing for work today or where they're going this weekend, things like that. And I noticed that with the 730 group, man, I'm coaching my tail off. <laughs> I'm, I'm working really hard, like double time to make up for what I was doing in six, at 630 in that group. But it was good because the 630, 630 group, they didn't need it. They knew the expectation and they held each other to the standard. The 730 group, they don't quite know the standard or the expectation. So getting to learn it from me and then when we kind of came together during the school year, it was the same expectation that their peers had. So that it was just easy just to flow right into the school year and just maintain that. How, how much of that 630 um cohesiveness and and self accountability and holding their teammates how much of that translated into the fall and and success on the field so we had a pretty pretty nice senior class this year and we've got a nice sophomore class and there are some alphas in both and they wanted to be the big dogs and they wanted to run the weight room and the seniors had to put them in their place which is great you got to do that in the right way um, but they did that. And so there was, it wasn't just competitive because they wanted to make each other better. They wanted to be better than the guys ahead of them. And so that, that did a lot of work for me, but it, it kind of caused a rift between them. But by the time we got to the end of summer, they saw how far along they came because they were pushing each other. That when we got into the fall, they, they had great unity and everything just came together really nice. How how did y'all's fall season end up? We in the regular season we went eight and one, and then we lost in the second round of playoffs. So it was kind of interesting because last year we had a we had we had missed a, a couple of games. I believe it was last year we had missed a couple of games due to COVID, and we were hoping those were going to be games that we could win. So we actually ended our season at three and four last year. So we didn't really know our expectation. We didn't know our floor. We really didn't know our ceiling. And so when we end up eight and one at the end of the regular season, going into playoffs and, and losing to the eventual state champions, we didn't really know if we had met our expectation or exceeded it. We were just proud of the opportunity we had with the kids that we had and maintained a pretty healthy season. Yeah, that's important. How would you, you talked about, that sophomore class being pretty talented and, and having leaders and alphas, how do you think that they perceive the way in which you finish this season kind of building towards uh, this coming fall? Or have you not been able to kind of really contemplate on that, given that you that a lot of those kids are moving into another sport? 
uh, or transitioning into their spring stuff. Uh, so you haven't necessarily been able to kind of get them kind of thinking about football or have they just said, Hey coach, you know, we lost in the second round. Um, the expectation is we're not just going to get to the playoffs, but we're going to go make a run, you know, has it, has any of that been expressed or. Uh, I think internally it has like our, our schedule for next year came out today and I've got, well, I've got sophomores in English. And so they're my first period class when that schedule is supposed to come out. And we're, we're trying to read to kill a mockingbird. And I've got boys looking at each other across the room, like, Hey, you see who we got. <laughs> so, so they're, they're hungry for it. They're excited. Um, but I think they keep most of that. We're going to come out and we're going to roll. We're going to keep, they're going to keep that internal until, until like you said, they're, they're focusing on basketball and wrestling right now. So once we get into spring, um, it'll kind of get amped up a little bit. And then definitely in the summer, they're, they're going to be loaded. They're going to be wanting to roll. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I look, I look forward to, uh, to keeping tabs on you guys and just to kind of see how, how things progress and, and, I'm curious to see how you work your weight room in the summertime um, just because I think at the end of the day, regardless of classification, you know, you, you're still probably going about what, four days a week and you're really only going about an hour or so in the weights and then, you know, conditioning or how do you guys break that up with the summer? Uh, so I guess we'll probably maintain our two groups with the boys, but I think this year we're going to try and move our eighth graders in with the incoming freshmen, just because we won't have a big incoming freshman class. And we, we had a ton of middle schoolers coming in last summer. I think it was between boys and girls. We had 40 or 50 on a daily basis. And so we needed to split that up a little bit. So we're going to try uh, and move in this direction. Which, which will be good because the, the middle schoolers are getting some exposure to the weight room now being in, in the same building as the high school. Uh, as far as summer goes, when the summer after COVID, we were so far behind that our focus was keeping kids healthy, but trying to get them as strong as we could. So trying to build strength and make them resilient to the, to the needs of the sport, kind of sacrifice speed a little bit. So then this last summer, we saw the need, the need for speed, right? And, and so we kind of did, did a little more sprinting, did some of that stuff. And then uh, talking to the head coach, he wanted to get rid of, not, not, I don't want to say get rid, but modify. So we didn't do so much deadlift. We did more uh, Olympic lifts. So some, some dumbbell snatch and some hang cleans and things like that. Emphasize those a little bit more to build speed. And it's been a lot of conversations with him how hang clean's great. It's going to help you with explosiveness if that's the adaptation you're looking for but well, we need to sprint. And he was actually laid up with getting his knee scoped for the entirety of Christmas break. So when he came back, he must've done some research. He said, if we need to sprint twice a week. I'm all in. So I'm just sitting here like a kid at Christmas. Like, Oh man, what are we going to do? I'm trying to think of all these different things and all these different ways we can organize it and have the kids fly around. So we'll be, we'll be doing a lot more speed. And I had actually put in for, a grant to get um, 10 VMAX Pro chips and iPads. And so I'm hoping that I hear back from that grant in March and we can start messing with those before we get into summer so we can focus on force production and then, you know, the high velocity sprinting and things like that when we're in the weight room and not 
not really push the volume so much. And we can kind of monitor that stuff from my understanding, uh, my conversations with uh, Coach Hoover, that if kids moving slow, there's probably something going on that we need to back off. So if we can keep those kids at their optimum level of performance all summer, I think we're going to really be ready for uh, geared up for a great fall season. Yeah, no, it'd be interesting how you, you know, hopefully you do get that grant and you can educate me more on, on, on how you train with those things. Cause that, that's, that's a realm that I have really no idea about. I've heard people talk about it and it's just, I mean, it's a foreign language legitimately. I, I understand the concept. I understand the validity of it. I think that there's practical application for it, but at the high school level, you know as well as I do, the biggest constraint to everything is budget. You know, mm-hmm. so you have applying for that grant. That's awesome. Um, it's probably something that I need to look into. Like, yes, we're in a, a pretty, you know, I wouldn't. I don't want to use necessarily the word affluent, but we we have a good. Um, size suburb that 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 i i live in and, and and work in but we still do have uh kids who are in you know a little bit lower socioeconomic apartments you know sure. so it's you kind of see both sides of, of it you know and and you know we open the weight room at about 7 a.m track is rolling at 6:45 and kids are getting dropped off at six o'clock because dad's got to go to work. Dad's starting work at, you know, six 30 or whatever. So, or, or mom's, you know, she's running whatever business, you know, it's seven o'clock. So she's got to make sure that the kids are there. And so, you know, we see it all, um, you know, some kids are not getting picked up until almost an hour after practice or, you know, an hour after a game. And, you know, I, I've been that kid, uh, where you're waiting around, hopefully they're coming home, you know, they're coming to get you soon. But, uh, you know, I've also been the coach to take a kid home and Mm -hmm. say, dude, you know, one, don't pay for an Uber. That's dumb. I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll take you home. But two, you know, it's just, it's part of that whole relationship building. It's just letting them know that you're going to take care of them. Right. uh, And, and, you know, they, they, they certainly appreciate it. Um, just because, you never know who's going to be the one to to give that comforting opportunity, you know, like oh, yeah. the ride it, home, the, the snack or something like that. It's so much bigger than athletic performance. Oh, no doubt, man. No doubt. Well, you talked about being an English teacher, so let's kind of flip around, you know, and let's let's dabble in the classroom a little bit. Um, why English? are you are you sure that that's the right spot for you (laughs) it's it's i'll say it's not my passion but i'm I'm the kind of guy that i'm going to do the best i can with with what i have um so graduating college i was i don't know i was probably in my junior year of college and some of the guys i was in classes with graduated ahead of me and they told me how hard it was to find a pe job in a high school i said shoot I need to find something else that I can do. So, you know, I go, I go into the college of education and they show me what a science endorsement would look like, what a math endorsement would look like, what a social studies endorsement would look like. Well, 
PE and, and social studies, you did a dime a dozen. So it was science, math, or English. And this is where it's a little bit ironic. The science and math courses that I needed to take, I couldn't pronounce what they were. So I thought there's no way I'm getting an endorsement in either of those. So no brainer for English. And when it came down to applying for jobs, I thought there was no chance I was going to get hired for English because I didn't want to. First of all, I wanted to be hired in PE, so I really didn't apply to much for English jobs. I think I applied to one in comparison to about 20 PE jobs all over the state of Nebraska. And the one English job was the only offer I received. So I had no choice to jump on it. And to be honest, I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't change that decision. It was, uh, it turned out pretty great. Yeah. Well, and that's awesome. It's, it's funny how it works that way, right? Like mm -hmm. you want something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best thing for you and, and right. the way in which you've arrived. And obviously, as we talked about, you know, at the, at the front end, whatever the reason why that was the, the place for you to be has obviously shown itself with, with those kids wanting to be around you and the success that you guys have had and, and the opportunities that have been created within your tenure there. Um, so that's really good, man. Are you an actually an avid reader? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on finishing up my second master's degrees, my second master's degree. And so the most I've read comes from the textbooks or any of the information I need for those classes. Uh, as far as what I do away from education and reading, um, it's, it's minimal. Yeah. A second master's man. That's, that's, uh, that's some pretty big, you know, to do, man. I have one and I don't want any more. I tell you what, it, it made me so nervous because I'm so used to being so busy all the time, all year being around kids all day. And from like, it was six 30 to five 30 at night. And when we're in season it's six 30 at night that when COVID hit and I had three months of sitting at home and sitting in front of a screen, trying to talk to kids and other teachers and things. I was going to go bananas if I had nothing to do that summer, especially if we couldn't be in the weight room with kids. So I asked my now wife if I should just start a second master's degree. And she said, do it. So I did. <laughs> so what's your, what's your first one in? Uh, curriculum and instruction. And so what's this one? Uh, human performance and wellness management. So okay. I got one more or less to help me out in the classroom as yeah, yeah. a teacher. And then the second one to help me, I guess, more or less in, in the realm of uh, strength conditioning. So yeah. this, this second one's kind of interesting. Uh, through Wayne State College here in Nebraska, um, this human performance and wellness management master's degree, actually there are courses set up to prepare me for the CSCS. So it's a course completely designated to taking that test which was awesome. Failed the first time, but I'm going to come back and get it the second time. And now I'm working on uh, two essentially independent studies to finish up my degree. And one of them is a course designated for functional movement screen. And the second one, just because I thought it'd be fun, I'm getting a certification in personal training from Westside Barbell. There you go, man. That's awesome. And you say, is it all online? Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. I, you know, I, I'm in the process of 
restarting to study for my CSCS. Uh, I like you, I failed the first time. Um, I'm kicking myself because I didn't study hard enough the way I should have. Um, and I didn't miss it by much, which is really like, if I had just completely bombed it, then I would have really been well, you know, but then to, to have studied the way I did and only miss it by a few on both parts. And I don't have a Kinesis background. Like I have a master's in basically it's a, it's an educational administration degree, but it's okay. There's like a technology component and it was just, you bought a website off of like Squarespace or WordPress and you just put up stuff. Like there wasn't, I didn't build a website from code or anything, but, um, and then my bachelor's is just, uh, sport, sport management, like, but it was in the, at Florida state, it was in the college of education, but none of the classes were related to education. They were all business related, like, you know, sport ethics, sport law, human resources, facilities management. Like, so I, I mean, nobody that I saw was a teacher. They were all just going to go be, yeah. you know, either front office people or agents, or I guess eventually end up as coaches like me. Um, gotcha. Uh, is that a stereotype in Florida? You said at Florida state, right? Is that a kind of a stereotype? Everybody wants to be an agent down there where it's sunny and warm all the time. Um, you know, man, I don't know. I don't know, honestly. I, so I'm a Texas boy. Um, mm-hmm. and the only reason I went out there is growing up in the nineties, right? Florida state was on TV all the time. So it's like, yeah. I'm telling my parents, like, I want to go there. I got to go there, right? I got to go play for Bobby Bowden. Well, when you're five seven, five eight, and you can't run out of sight in a day, you ain't playing for nobody. Like, <laughs> D3s tell you, please don't bother. Um, but, you know, I, I had an aunt who at the time was living in Fort Lauderdale, so she would always send us uh, Christmas gifts and birthday stuff. And it would usually have something related to Florida state on it. Um, so it just kind of grew the love and I was able to go. Um, I I don't know how many of the people that I graduated with became agents, uh, or anything of that nature. Um, no, I tried to go sit for the LSAT and outside of the CSCS, that's the only other test where it just completely, it was harder than the CSCS because at least I could understand the CSCS questions. Uh-huh. The LSAT just completely kicked my ass. Like that's no. the hardest thing I've ever taken. Now you got to help me out. What's the LSAT? That's the law school entrance exam. Oh, got it. Yeah. It, it just, just Google some practice questions and have some fun. Like <laughs> you're just going to like, and maybe you'll be better at it. You'll reason better. I just, it was beyond me. So power to those who who passed it and got in yeah it's no joke man that test is no joke so no, I, i'll take your word for it i know the tech <laughs> guys here that monitor all the stuff we're looking at online and be like what is he doing <laughs> <laughs> no doubt man well coach man it's been a blast to have you on the podcast I'm, I'm so glad that you uh not only um were the recipient of this uh but that you had so much to share um, and I, and I know there's more, but I think it's kind of one of those deals where I want to check back with you in the future and, you know, you get that grant, let's see how you guys implement it. Let's see what you're doing in the summer. And, you know, I think you, you're on the right path to doing a lot of great things, man, especially where you're at. Um, cause you're doing the most with potentially the, you know, some of the least 
but you're also constantly advocating for better for these kids. You know, you, you're not resting on just the way you used to do it. And I think that's such a great thing. Uh, so I commend you for that. And I, and I hope these kids and the community realize just how valuable you are to them. Hey, I, I appreciate that. Kind of the, the mindset I, I kind of have with these kids and I, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I tell them if a shark stops swimming, it's going to die. So if we're not going to keep moving forward and trying to get better and better and get smarter and smarter, get more stuff and try and make it a better environment in our weight room, what are we doing? We're wasting our time. We're going to get stagnant and we're going to go backwards. No doubt, man. I, I agree a hundred percent with you and I'm with you. I don't know if a, if a shark stops swimming, does it die? I don't know, but that you know what? Right. Hey, you know what? It's better to not know and just assume you're right with it than figure hey. it out and be wrong. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. But uh, I, I do want to appreciate you giving me this opportunity. I know it was, uh, I was kind of all over, you know, trying to win as many prizes as I could <laughs> over Christmas break. So I got a nice hat and I got a nice coat and now I got to be on a podcast, which is just is so surreal to me that a guy in, in small town Nebraska can get an opportunity like this. So I thank you very much. No doubt, man. Well, coach, if they wanted to get a hold of you, talk more questions, especially when you, you know, we're going to speak it into existence. You're going to get this grant. You're going to be able to implement this stuff, you know, and they want to talk with you on how you utilize it. What, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you'll put the, put my email in that, in that bio or that little description of the episode or anything, but it's, it's nvandenberg at boonecentral.esu7.org. And then my Twitter handle is card underscore strength. So either one is really fine. I'd, I'd maybe not give my phone number over, over, over this, but yeah, if I, I don't know if somebody emails me, maybe I'd be more willing to do something like that. Um, yeah. But I know, I know uh, coach Hoover is going to be in Nebraska at the end of March. And so if we get, if we receive that grant, when we receive that grant, I'm basically going to be the parrot on his shoulder for a weekend and just ask him anything and everything about the capabilities and what it can do. So I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome, man. Well, I wish you the best of luck and, and thank you again for taking the time to, to share what you guys are doing over at Boone Central and uh, you know, good luck to everything in the future. Hey, I appreciate it. Same goes for you. I know you said you've got wrestling right now and then you've got track in the works. So I hope you guys have a really competitive season. You guys stay healthy and run fast. Appreciate it.